Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. These programs are based on the ministry of Witness Lee and his 21-year crowning work, The Life Study of the Bible, which focuses on the enjoyment of Christ as the divine life as revealed in the Bible. We hope that through these studies you'll be brought into a deeper enjoyment of the Scriptures and of our dear and precious Lord Jesus. You can contact us by sending email to radio at lsm.org or reach us toll-free, 888-LIFE-STUDY. Now, let's join today's program. The history of the Christian faith shows us that the great truths of God's eternal plan were first given to man in Scripture, but then lost during centuries of darkness and then later recovered by God's moving in His body. Such was the case with justification by faith and its recovery during the time of Martin Luther. We will see another great item of recovery, sanctification, in today's Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program furnished by Living Stream Ministry. And here with us to discuss these portions today is Francis Ball. Francis, it's great to have you back and to add your portion to this marvelous Life Study of Hebrews. Well, it's always very good to be involved in this kind of Life Study. Francis, we mentioned a moment ago the matter of recovery, and we're going to hear Witness Lee refer to it today in our message several times. For those listening that may not understand what we mean by this term in its historical context, please explain a little if you would. Well, I think it might help uh, if we could have a look at the meaning of the word recovery. According to the dictionary, this word means to regain, to get or obtain after being lost, we definitely have to realize that much of the truth in the Bible needs to be recovered. There was a time when uh, everything was available to us, and it has been available by the written word. The divine revelation of the New Testament was fully completed with Paul's ministry together with John's mending ministry. In the New Testament, it tells us that at the end of Paul's ministry, the church began to be degraded and became deformed from the divine revelation. This situation was made abundantly clear in Paul's second letter to Timothy, even in every chapter of that book. Later, the apostle John wrote to the churches in Revelation, recorded in chapters 2 and 3, telling them to repent of the degradation into which they had fallen. Within this first century, they're both the completing of the divine revelation, and also the degradation of the church life took place. Consequently, there was the call by the Lord for overcomers who would come back to the enjoyment of Christ as the tree of life, as the hidden manna, and even as the feast. So we can see that from the beginning of the second century, there was the need for recovery. So many of the truths revealed in the New Testament were covered up and lost due to being mixed with pagan teachings and practices and with just negligence about diving into the Bible. There have been times in recent years when the word recovery has been uh, mocked, I would say, thinking, what do we need with a recovery? We have the Bible. We don't need to recover the Bible 
we need to recover the truths that are in the Bible, which have been uh, missed and have been uh, mixed up with other things. So I'm very happy today that we're touching another item of this recovery truth. This recovery has been progressively going on and is still going on in the present unfolding of the apostles' teaching. The item of recovery that we mentioned that we will focus on in this message by Witness Lee is the matter of sanctification. Francis, thank you. Let's go to Witness Lee in today's life study from the book of Hebrews and sanctification. The sanctifier and the sanctified. This is a hard thing for us to define what is sanctification. I must give you just a little background of the different schools among the Christian teachers concerning the matter of either you say sanctification or holiness. This matter of sanctification is fully revealed in the scriptures. Firstly, in the Old Testament, secondly, in the New Testament. But it has been lost to the fullest extent. Then the Reformation came in. God started the recovery of all his truths from that time. The first thing God recovered was justification by faith. We all know this. After God recovered the matter of justification, the main thing that followed to be recovered, I would say, was sanctification. But it was recovered not in a clear way as justification was. The recovery of sanctification followed in a very poor way. I cannot tell you who was the first one that was used by God to recover this item. But what I can tell you according to the recovery, according to the history of recovery, is this. Two centuries ago, there was a group of students studying in Oxford, including George Whitfield, Charles Wesley, and John Wesley. They formed some group with certain regulations, which they call method. The way to control them, the way to correct them, the way they behave themselves. I make the story short. Eventually, they called that kind of proper living holiness. After their generation, some others were raised up, up to the brethren teachings. The brethren gave that kind of holiness a term. The brethren opened up the Bible. The brethren teacher said, that is not holiness. That is sinless perfection. 
they should do from mainly Matthew chapter 23. The Lord Jesus says, the temple sanctifies the gold. The temple makes the gold holy. Then the brothers and teachers challenged, how about the gold on the market? There was no sin. So they say holiness is the change of position. Your position formerly was absolutely, rarely not for God. One day, you would be separated for God. Your position has been changed, so you are holy. This is 100% right. But, there is big but. We agree with the brethren teachings. Holiness, sanctification, is also a dispositional matter. It is not a matter only to have your position changed, but it's also to have your disposition changed. Now, we come to Hebrew chapter 2. For both he who sanctifies, this is the sanctifier. And those who are being sanctified, these are the sanctified, are all of one. That means Christ and way, the sanctifier and the sanctified, all are out of one Father, out of one source. The source surely doesn't refer to the position. The source refers to the nature, not the position, but the disposition. This is why here it says, Christ calls us his brothers. He is not shameful. Why? Because he comes out of the Father. We also come out of the Father. He and we, when he, are out of the same source. And now he and we, when he, have the same life, the same nature, the same disposition. So just by this one verse, you can see the sanctification here is neither sinless perfection nor a positional change. No, this is something deeper, something higher. This is a dispositional change. Francis, we've seen now two schools of thought or approaches theologically to this matter of sanctification or holiness. One is the practice of holiness according to our behavior, and this has been dubbed by some as sinless perfection. Contrasted with this is the doctrine of positional sanctification. But both of these two historically well-known approaches fall short, don't they? Yes, Chris, we do need to see how these two schools of thought fall far short of the scriptural meaning of sanctification. These are not really wrong, They are very short. First of all, the attempt to practice sinless perfection or holiness is really an attempt to deal with sin by the changing of our practices or our habits. 
So it really tied in with self-effort. And even if we were to succeed in being sinless in our conduct, this would not meet God's purpose. The brethren were right when they said that that kind of practice was not holiness nor sanctification. But even they failed to see that it was more than a positional matter. Of course, to be sanctified by the redemption of Christ is a matter of position. But sanctification is also a matter of disposition. This shortage in the matter with these two schools of thought is in this matter of dispositional sanctification, which is very subjective. It has to do not only with our behavior and our position, as these two schools of thought approach it, but even more, it has to do with our nature, our disposition. Francis, sanctification, we're finding out, is a more thorough and deeper activity or operation of God's work in us than simply changing our behavior outwardly or a doctrinal, objective, positional change, isn't it? Absolutely. Much deeper. Let's join Witness Lee for more of our life study. Who is the sanctifier? The Son of God, not in his original state, but incarnated. For him to sanctify us, he needs to be the Son of God incarnate. And as the Son of Man, he needs to be crucified, resurrected, exalted, and glorified. Not only so, he needs to be produced as the firstborn Son of God. Before Jesus Christ was resurrected, God didn't have the firstborn son. There is a difference between the firstborn son and the only begotten son. Could you tell me the difference? The only begotten son didn't have the human nature. He only had the divine nature. Then he became incarnate to put on the human nature. In those 33 and a half years, that was a transitory state. According to his divinity, to his divine nature, he was the Son of God, the only begotten Son of God. But according to his human nature, before his resurrection, that human nature was not something born of God. So he needed to pass through death and resurrection. To have that human part born of God. We do have strong base to say this. Because Psalms, two saints, you are my son. This day I have begotten you. And Acts 13, verse 33 tells us this prophecy was fulfilled on the day of resurrection. I have begotten you in your human nature. After this begetting, he became the firstborn son of God. Now, the firstborn Son of God has both divine 
and human natures. Today, we are sons of God with divine nature as well as human nature. We are sons of God according to the firstborn son of God, not according to the only begotten son of God. The firstborn son of God can sanctify us because he has the same nature as we do. Because we have the same nature as he does. Francis, I have to ask you about this last point. It is very striking. And that is that we could never be sanctified by the only begotten Son of God. It takes the firstborn Son to do the sanctifying work. Why is this? Well, I hope I can give you some kind of answer, Chris. This is not a very easy question, but it's a very, very important matter. This is a very, very important reason for this distinction. Uh, Another item of recovery is the truth about the only begotten Son of God becoming the firstborn Son of God. Christ was the only begotten from eternity past. God sent His only begotten Son as the very incarnation of the triune God Himself. Then He had not only divinity, but also humanity. And His humanity was born of Mary, it was not yet the Son of God. However, after accomplishing death and resurrection, he became the firstborn Son of God. That is, his humanity was designated the Son of God, the firstborn Son of God. His humanity was sunized. In his resurrection, the Bible says in a number of places, in that day, That is the day of resurrection. This day have I begotten you. This is a word concerning Christ in the Psalms. It's repeated in this book of Hebrews at least twice, that this day of resurrection is the day that his humanity became sunized. In his resurrection, he became both the life-giving spirit and the firstborn son of God. By giving his life as the life-giving spirit, we also became sons of God. So Hebrews chapter 2, verse 11 says, For both he who sanctifies, that's the Lord Jesus Christ, the firstborn Son of God, and those who are being sanctified are all out of one, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brothers. So it was as the firstborn Son of God in His resurrection that we were brought into the relationship with Him as His brothers. It's as brothers that we are sanctified by the sanctifier. The sanctifier is Christ, the life-giving Spirit, and the sanctified ones are we. We are the same, we are of the same source as Christ. We are many brothers of the firstborn Son of God. This is dispositional sanctification, a change not just in position and not by our behavior, but a change of nature. Now, we, like him, are God-men. Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you, Francis. That was marvelous. Let's rejoin Witness Lee for the conclusion of today's life study. Now, 
who are the sanctified? The sanctified are we, no doubt. And we were sinners, propitiated. We were people of problem, but now, through his propitiation, we become people with no problem with God. We were dead victims. But hallelujah, we got released. We got released from the slavery of death. Now we still need another thing. That we have to be produced as sons of God. Not only on the negative side, propitiated, released, but also on the passive side, we have been brought forth. We have been produced sons of God. Many sons of God. Let me tell you now, what is the sanctifying work? What is the sanctifying job? The sanctifying job is the firstborn son of God working on the many sons of God. This means the sanctifier is the firstborn son of God. And the sanctified are the many sons of God. So the firstborn now is working on the many brothers. And he is qualified to be the sanctifier, and we are more than qualified to be the sanctified. His qualification is to be incarnated, crucified, resurrected, glorified, and exalted, and produced. And our qualification is propitiated, released, and brought forth. So he's ready, and we are ready. So good. Now, we go on to sanctification. Sanctification is to separate the many sins unto God. From the day of your regeneration, you have been born of God, but still you have not been thoroughly separated unto God. Now, sanctification does this work to separate you into God, to transform you in your being. It doesn't mean much in your position, but it means altogether in your disposition, in your being. Not only to change you, but to transform you, to make you changed metabolically with the element of life. It is not an outward change by outward adjustment. It is an inward metabolism. Changing organically with some life element. Not only so. This transformation eventually conforms you to his image. Not only so. And this conforming work based upon the transforming work will glorify you. I tell you, this is sanctification. Francis, this portion reminded me very much of uh, some of our life study in Romans, particularly on the matter of sanctification. To be sanctified implies a lot. 
to clear up all the negative things by propitiation and eventually bringing us forth in resurrection with the firstborn to be the many brothers. But what about the matter of being changed metabolically with the life element? Help us with this, Francis. Well, I think uh, Witness Lee has made it very clear in his closing words in this message But I would like to underline what he has said there. This message has brought us a long way in realizing what it is to be sanctified. I think this has been a lost item among Christians, and it has been recovered through this ministry. It means to separate the reborn sons of God unto God and to transform their being metabolically and organically. Both of these words indicate very much that it's a matter of life. The divine life comes into a person when they receive Jesus Christ. But their whole being needs to be set apart unto God. That takes place positionally when they enjoy Christ as their righteousness. But it takes place dispositionally by an acting of the divine life and its divine element in us metabolically, organically, in our day-by-day experiences, by our calling on the Lord, by our fellowshipping with others, by our being in the meetings of the church, and by this transforming work, He is conforming us to His image. And eventually, He will glorify us by His transforming and conforming work. We have to see that this is the full sanctification in a dispositional sense. Francis, we saw sanctification presented in this dispositional consideration or this dispositional light in the book of Romans. And once again, it's very clear in in the book of Hebrews. This is really a truth that has come through a stage of recovery in this present day. We are grateful to the Lord for this kind of fellowship. Yes, we really are. And I hope that the listeners could get a copy of this written message which will help them even more. You took the words out of my mouth. That was my next phrase. And I will just pick up Francis and remind them that, yes, they can receive that printed message. And this would be, as we've said so many times, an exceedingly good one to have to get into more detail. It's yours when you contact us at our toll-free number, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. Or when you write to us, request it. Our mailing address is Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. I'm Chris Wilde, and thank you today for listening. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. These programs consist of excerpts from Witness Lee's spoken ministry, along with our discussion and comments, and all focusing on God's heart's desire that we would enjoy Christ as the divine life for man. There are more than 1,700 programs like this one available online free of charge that you can download, stream live, or add to your podcast subscription. Just visit our website, lsmradio.com. That's lsmradio.com. You can also reach us by email, radio at lsm.org. Thanks for listening today.